hey y'all, pretend we're football for the next hour or so, or not. Pretend we're basketball. It's it's finally time for you to pretend we're basketball because it's March. This is the one week of the year where you actually give a shit of what we have to talk about. So, uh, welcome all 12 of you that are now 18 because it's March. Um, hooray! We have more people. Uh, I am your host for the week, uh, Johnny Brashear. Uh, I am joined alongside by Tim Preston, who is... Uh, in an embassy embassy suite somewhere in the midwest i'm assuming we'll just say kansas why not um maybe nebraska that's nebraska seems like good enough um will is out because he's off getting super married and uh maybe making babies because when you're not on the north side of 40 you gotta do that that's that's the next step so um congrats will on uh your burgeoning set of kids that will probably show up right around the time of the bcs championship game um that's that's gonna be super convenient for you um but yeah that's uh that that's uh that's that's what will's got going on uh no pressure buddy just uh just shoot straight we have (laughs) sorry i was gonna get through that and i didn't um so um we have for you this week uh we are going to talk very briefly about the big 12 tournament Uh, and the TCU game and just sort of our feelings about that. Uh, We are going to talk about uh, Texas as a sixth seed, whether it was deserved or or not. Uh, And then we're going to go through their pod, the first weekend pod of Virginia Tech, Purdue, and Yale. And we're going to talk about sort of uh, what we think Texas' long-term prospects are or are not going forward. Um, Full disclosure, we had an original version of this where Jeff Haley was on with us and He was, as always, intelligent and clever, uh, but he chooses to use a Chromebook, which doesn't really lend itself well to recording audio. So um, to save you the vocoded Jeff Haley hour, uh, we're going to uh, give you sort of cliff notes of what he had to say, because, uh, yeah, he wasn't going to get Amazon Prime that quickly for a new laptop. So... We're we're gonna get in. We're gonna go through Texas' first weekend in the NCAA tournament, whether they make it out or not. We're gonna talk about sort of larger scope of what we think about the tournament as a whole. Um, and I'm gonna sort of surrogately answer his uh, what what he had to say. Uh, I'm going to do a terrible job of it because, frankly, I had to transpose this on the fly. So um, yeah, strap in everybody. So Tim, ha- how's I'm gonna say Idaho. Uh, it's it's great. What in, in Boise is beautiful, um, and uh, and that's not where I am. But uh, I am in a embassy suites, as Johnny said, and uh, my wife and two kids are sleeping in the room about 15 feet to my right. So if I'm uh, unusually quiet or subdued today, it's because it's 11:50 at night, <laughs> and, and we. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that whatever I do does not uh, does not infringe on their on their sleep time. So um, yeah, although I, otherwise I'm well. So uh, I want to reiterate what Johnny said that we really enjoyed having Jeff on, uh, save for him destroying everything and ruining both of our spring break lives. So thanks for <laughs> nothing, you piece of shit. <laughs> but uh, he did. It's he was true. fun to be around. It's true. He's a, he's a he's a very nice man who ruined. Tim's only time he's going to get outside of the state borders legally. So um, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so we, we, we're going to start with the Texas Big 12 tournament, and it's going to be brief, just like Texas is staying in the Big 12 tournament. hey Heyo! Um, yeah, Chris Beard uh, changed his lifetime Big 12 tournament record from 1-4 to 1-5, uh, which... Congratulations, Chris. Uh, I'm sure that was what you wanted. Um, they they played a game against TCU where uh, I think a, a lot of Texas fans are focusing on the fact that TCU was down by 18 to 20 uh, late in the first half. And then Texas sort of choked that lead away, which I get. Uh, but for me, I, I look at it more as TCU won that game for 30 minutes pretty handily. And it was... Texas doing sort of this uh, aberration of, of being way hotter than normal 
to, to get themselves uh, even that lead in the first place. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'm not terribly surprised that Texas lost that game. I, I, I wouldn't have been terribly surprised if they won it because they felt like fairly evenly matched teams to me. Um, but it's, again, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate that Texas lost a chance to perhaps improve its NCAA tournament seating by, by losing to TCU. But also, you kind of got to give your hats off to, to TCU for taking advantage of a situation and, and, you know, kind of learning as they go. And if you kind of look at the TCU-Texas series over the course of three games, it seems to be this sort of arc of TCU learning how to defeat Texas, <laughs> in, my, in my view. Um, Tim, what did you think about that game? No, I agree. And I thought that, obviously, I don't think that TCU is playing for their collective lives as far as the NCAA tournament, but it's certainly... Um, the win against Texas was going to solidify um, for them as it obviously did. Uh, and I thought Lampkin played a great game. I thought Miles uh, shook off a really rough first half and, and played well in the second half. And uh, TCU got good games out of Ba and, and PV and, and Cork. And, you know, I, I thought they did a good job. So, uh, but yeah, as Johnny said, we mostly it was that super hot, whatever, seven or eight minutes in the first half that yep. stretched the lead out from like four or five all the way out to 20. Um, and I think the whole collective Texas fan base was like, Hey, let's freaking go. And then, uh, that lasted not very long. So, uh, you know, so I guess, yeah, as you said, not talking too much about the game, I guess the part of that whole experience that, that sticks with me was uh, Chris Beard's post game press conference where he, um, pretty unceremoniously threw his players under the bus um, and talked about how they don't, they don't hate losing enough. They're not, uh, they're not making the right plays. Uh, and that really, that really bugs me. And uh, John, you know, I'm sure you and I will go back and forth a little bit on this. I think guessing you agree to at least a certain extent, but the biggest thing that I would point out to, to everybody is um, from the, about the eight minute and 40 second mark until the 41 second mark. So basically the, the entire last eight minutes of the game, he made zero substitutions, um, which means that he, these players that he was so frustrated with for not being, you know, winning type of players, or at least not being hating losing kind of players were frustrating him so, so badly that he subbed zero of them. Uh, in the most crucial, important time of the game, um, which just sort of feels uh, really, really backhanded. Uh, because if I mean, obviously, if you're that upset with them, if you're so ticked off that you're gonna that you're gonna throw them out publicly uh, after the game, why not? Why not try something different? <laughs> like the, the person who's in charge of those personal decisions is you, my guy. Um, and 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 yeah, and I think that you know, obviously given the time of year that it is too like this this stuff is is pretty cumulative for me uh whether you're talking about our crappy non-conference schedule whether you're talking about sort of the lack of creativity and bringing some different offensive pieces in uh or whatever it might be um it, it sure felt like a hey don't blame me for this team sucking uh which i thought was a pretty un unreasonable time to say something like that so yeah i i think um that there's there's a a couple pieces of it one is is that i i watched the the clip of him talking about guys not hating losing enough and the fact that he brought up two dudes in particular like he very specifically pointed out marcus and timmy um in their uh, you know well i hope they come up here and say the same thing like it's just like i, I mean I, I have general issues with this in that um this is not the time of the year to be sending messages, right? Like the time of year to be sending messages is November, December, maybe January, but by early March, like it's your fault, man. If, if this, you know, eventually the, you know, inevitably the, the, the buck stops with the, the coach and the coaching staff, right? Like that is sort of the general idea. That's why they get paid several million dollars a year to do what they do is that they are there to take these disparate pieces and form them into a larger whole that is cohesive on some level, right? And, you know, if a guy doesn't understand that whatever, you know, whatever intangible thing qualifies as hating to lose more than loving to win whatever that encompasses in beard's mind it's one thing in november to be like okay you don't get it but in march you've had 
just about your entire season at this point. Like you've, you've only got possibly a couple games left to, to install, instill that sort of thing. So at that point, it's on you because you're you're the manager here. You're the owner here, right? Like you're, you're the one who's supposed to do this sort of thing. So if they still don't get it, not really their fault at this point. Um, and it's 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 frustrating because like you know uh, not not to not to bring in another Texas coach, but it's four years to the day that Augie died, and one of his favorite quotes is, uh, "Adversity doesn't build character; it reveals it." And if Chris Beard is sitting here in middle of the March and tossing dudes under the bus, like what does it say about him at this point? I mean, I know it's still early; it's still year one. And, like, he might have just been frustrated. But, like, this is the point, right? Like, if you're going to do the things you need to do to be a, quote-unquote, Monday night program, then I, I just don't understand what the point is of, of doing this publicly. Like, it's one thing to, to go after these guys in the locker room privately and, you know, have it out, like, right. Like, it, you know, sometimes you've got to air shit out privately. Sure, I get it. But, like... Doing this in front of the cameras and whatnot, I, it just seems bushly to me. Well, especially because this is the same guy that a month and a half ago, I don't remember if you started Tristan Lacone or like brought him in off the bench before a number of some of the other guys on the team. You know, like a series like, of dudes, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so like just be consistent, you know, like be, like, are you sending messages or are you not? Are you using the bench to kind of be a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a piece of, of how you're coaching or not, or like whatever it might be. It just, it just really seemed like if you were that upset with those guys, then bench them, but you didn't, you, you played them the whole time. And then, you know, then griped at them for not doing what you wanted them to do. Well, then try something else, dude, do some coaching. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so with that, uh, Texas, uh, you know, Texas was bounced early from the from the Big 12 tournament. Um, and so they got to sit there for several days and watch, you know, whatever else happened in the Big 12 tournament and other tournaments and kind of, you know, their, their fate was generally out of their own hands at that point, right? Like, because it, it, it as Texas was sitting there, you know, a lot of the bracketologists had Texas as either a five or a six seed. It was a sort of leaning a little bit towards a five seed in aggregate at that point. Um, but when they lost, they lost their ability to sort of control their own destiny and other teams did enough here and there that the Texas sort of had eventually fell to a six seed. Right. Um, I, I feel like Texas at this point, they had been on a, a pretty much undisturbed path to either a six or seven seed since, you know, for months now. Right. And, and it didn't feel like given their, and, I, and I'm going to talk about Q1A versus Q1B, which, you know, there are quad one wins, quad two, quad three, quad four, like it's part of the net thing that, that the selection committee uses. Um, Texas is pretty consistent in that they would beat quad two, quad three, quad four teams almost, almost without, you know, exception. But when it came to quad one, there was quad one A and quad one B, which is sort of splits it in half. And they usually lost to the quad one A and they usually beat the quad one B teams, right? Which is a good team. That's Texas being a good team, but not an elite team. And so for them to get out of that sort of on the rails, six or seven seed thing, they would have had to beat TCU and had a chance to go against Kansas and, and, and possibly further, but they didn't. So, uh, they ended up as a six seed. Um, I, I guess, uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on whether or not they deserve that six seed? I, yeah, I think the six seed was pretty fair. I, I think that a seven seed would have been more fair than a five seed given their record and, and how things went. Um, so I would have been, um, a little surprised in one scenario, a lot surprised in another, but, um, I think six seems pretty reasonable, you know, and I, I do think that obviously, um, the win against Kansas, um, you know, the, the winning record in conference, uh, there were a lot of teams, a lot of teams that made the tournament that had losing records in conference this year. So, uh, I'm not surprised that the Texas was, um, was kind of, I don't want to say gifted, but rewarded for, for their season. So, um, I don't know. I th- I think at some point about, you know, right before the, cause it, who, who did they play? Who did we play before West Virginia? Was it TCU? 
the second time and then West Virginia. I'm sorry. But that Yeah, those, yeah, it was TCU then West Virginia. Right. So those last four games, right? I think that we sort of thought that um if they could have somehow won three of their last five, um, that maybe a five was reasonable. And if they could have gotten farther in the in the Big Twelve tournament, that hey, who knows? But um but uh, yeah, it, it sure it sure felt like this is a team when you when you start looking at some of the teams that are seated above Texas, uh, there's uh, there's not a single one, not a single team where I'm like, oh yeah, we belong above them. Um, so and there are a few teams in the in the seven and eight line where I'm like, oh well, I mean, is our resume better than North Carolina's? I'm not really so sure. <laughs> so um, so I, I, I we'll take the six and, and be happy. I think. Yeah, I think when it comes down to um, sort of what, where this season you know, the accumulation of the season, the six is probably about where they should have been. Um, you know, I think if you, you could flip a couple games one way or the other, you know, like the Tennessee game goes from a window loss or like the, the, uh, what is it? The Kansas state game goes from a loss to a win. Like you could flip a couple here and there and maybe they become a five or a seven, but, um, yeah, six felt about right. I, I do think there is, uh, I, I, I was reading some people, a couple of people who talked about how they felt like the selection committee was punishing teams that were not scheduling well in the non-conference. Um, uh, they specifically brought up Texas A&M and Oklahoma, which, you know, Texas A&M, you know, objectively got fucked in, in not being included in, in the uh, NCAA tournament because they're, their resume was good enough to be at least in a play-in game, right? If if not just being like sort of an eleven or twelve seed somewhere, um, but also fuck them because it's a And M, right? Um, so um, I, I think uh, I think Texas, if they had maybe scheduled a little more aggressively in non-conference, they would have had a chance at a five or maybe a four. I mean, that's that's sort of out on the realm, you know, an outlier, but you know, maybe. For what it's worth, uh, A&M's non-conference schedule, according to Ken Palm, is about 30 spots higher than ours. So yeah. they had a they had a tougher non-conference schedule than we did. So uh, take yeah, that for what it's I, worth. And also, this is sort of just a general forewarning for future years where if Texas continues to schedule like this, like if they got a couple things that don't go their way, you know, they have a couple bad losses that are a couple Q3 losses, things can get dicey pretty quickly. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, six seed is probably about right. Um, so Texas ended up with a six seed and they are in a pod, uh, you know, first weekend pod with Virginia tech as their first opponent. And then the other side of the pod is Purdue and Yale. So, um, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, the, the, we'll start with Virginia tech because that is the opponent that Texas is guaranteed to face. Um, it is a team that started off this season, uh, a little well maybe they, they had a, a rough middle of their season right like they started two and seven in the ACC and then they really got on a tear um, they are coached by Mike Young who was formerly at Wofford who, who made their way into the NCAA tournament uh, at least once uh, under him I feel like it was at least a couple times um, yeah like three or four times I think but yeah 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 so um, he is a guy who uh, likes to likes to shoot the three um, at, at a fairly high rate, given their tempo, they shoot it very well from three. They have a number of guys who can shoot it from three. There is a dude on their team that has taken 77, uh, threes and made almost 52% of them, which is ridiculous even against air. Uh, so congrats to that guy. That is, uh, uh Darius Maddox who's done that. Uh, and uh, if you're wondering if he did it against non-conference competition, he's actually shot higher against the ACC than he did in non-conference. So, uh, yeah, maybe keep an eye out on that dude. Um, Kevin Luma is their, their main guy. He's their leading scorer. He's, uh, I think he's also their leading rebounder. Um, and, and they've just sort of got kind of a, it feels to me, and, and Tim, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. It feels to me like they're sort of similar in to Texas in that they don't have like overwhelming size, but they've sort of got a laundry list of dudes who are six three to six nine. Yeah, no, they're not going to wow you with explosiveness or above the rim play, um, but they do three things really well. Uh, first of all, as you said, they they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. 
another thing they do really well is they they limit fouls. They don't foul teams almost at all. Um, and then they have very little drop off in depth. So um, it, this is this is not you know, and, and that's that matters matters a little bit less as you get into the NCAA tournament as as commercial breaks are longer and the halftime break is a little bit longer. So um, it's not as if it's not as if that's going to be some gigantic thing, but they do have good depth. They don't have a whole lot of drop off, which I think for Texas um, can be difficult for us because our depth is not great. And because we don't have like a, an entire team of, of awesome individual defenders uh, and Virginia tech lacks guys that like, Oh, well, we don't have to help on that guy. We, we can leave him alone. They're, they're pretty solid everywhere. So because they shoot so well from three and because our defense you know, essentially in some ways functions almost like a zone, just, you know, that, that really heavy sag that we do. Um, that's, that's a question mark for me. Uh, the fact that they don't foul a lot and how dependent we've been on getting points at the foul line. That's another question mark for me. Um, and then I think it's pretty, pretty clear that they have better depth than we do, or at least, um, there's a little bit less of a drop off when, when they bring some of their guys in than we might have with, you know, someone like DeSue or Cunningham or even Bad Jace if Bad Jace shows up on those days. So we'll see. Yeah, I think um, there, there's there's a couple things to, to, to sort of add on to, to what Tim said. One is that um, if, if we're looking at sort of their offensive efficiency, there are a grand total of three teams that Texas has played this year who have been better offensively than, than Virginia Tech. And uh, that is Baylor, that is Kansas, and that is Gonzaga, and that is a, that is a combination that Texas has gone. I want to say one and five against, one and four against. Yeah, it was one and four. Yeah, um, and so offensively, uh, they're going to give Texas a lot of fits. And, and one of the things that that Jeff Haley brought up um, w- when we were doing this in his ill-fated vocoder through a fan session was uh, that it's not just one dude, right? Like it's not that. It's not like Kansas where, okay, if you can limit Ochai then things get kind of difficult, right? Kansas has sort of, they, they have a, a, a defined alpha, for lack of a better term. Virginia Tech doesn't really have that, right? Like they've got Kevin Aluma, who is their leading scorer, but he's not their leading three-point shooter. They've got, uh, you know, who, who is it? Uh, uh, Elaine and Maddox Couture. and Couture. Yeah. yeah, Couture, who can all just launch from three. And um, when I when I talked about sort of the uh, – one of my Substack recaps I, or previews, I talked about sort of the outlines of what would be a problem for Texas, the sort of things that would make them – they would be most vulnerable to a loss. And uh, one of them is uh, athleticism, which – Virginia Tech is sort of on par with Texas. It's, you know, give or take. It's, it's not, one is not going to overwhelm the other, right? Um, as far as uh, rebounding is concerned, Virginia Tech is good at limiting offensive rebounding, which will be a problem if they can kind of keep Timmy Allen off of the glass because if he stays off the glass, he's not going to score a lot, right, relatively speaking. Um, The other thing is turnovers, which uh, Virginia Tech is well above average in terms of taking care of the ball. They also don't force a lot of turnovers. But one of the things I brought up was that uh, Texas needs to have a defined advantage in that realm to win because when – when turnovers and turnover percentage are even or do not favor Texas, they generally lose. Or it's easy the tight game or they lose, right? And so um, these are some of the issues. But well, one the one of the other things I I, I felt was was sort of um, maybe not illustrative, but that I paid a lot of attention to is that uh, Virginia Tech plays at a pace right about what Texas plays. They give there's I think Tech, Virginia Tech's a little slower than Texas, but not. Not a ton. Um, so Texas slowing the ball down, slowing the game down, and limiting possessions doesn't, you know, it doesn't favor Texas in a way it might against, say, Kansas, who, who relies on a lot of transition buckets. Um, Virginia Tech is perfectly happy playing a sixty-three to sixty kind of game, and you know, when when Texas doesn't have that. Um, doesn't have that advantage. Doesn't make it does. It's not uncomfortable for the opponent. That that's another kind of concern for me. So um, I, I guess I would say at this point, when I look at this, um, 
Ken Palm has Texas as a 56% win probability. That's that might be a little high on my side. I kind of just think this is a coin flip, but that's that's sort of splitting hairs at this point. Tim, what, what do you think? Yeah, coin flip I think is the right call. I, I, I think that this is a game where because they, they can't really throw athleticism and explosiveness at Timmy, that, that that bodes well for him. This seems like a game where Courtney can probably actually maybe get into the lane a little bit more than he's been able to. I think that um, if we allow if we allow Jace to sort of find a rhythm in this game. Anyways, like I, I do think that Texas has the athletes to, to feel that they can um, maybe either be equal or perhaps even a touch better than Virginia tech in this game. So that's, that's not, that's, there's very few teams in the tournament that we can say that about. So because of that, I, I do think that Texas um, has some pretty, pretty obvious pathways to victory. But if you, yeah, if, if you tried to convince me that that really either team was a clear favorite, I would, I would disagree with you. So, Certainly feels like a hey, uh, six and one half dozen in the other. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a matter of does Texas patrol the passing lanes well enough that they can snag those skip passes that are going to three point shooters to, to to go the other way, right? Like that sort of thing. Um, well, something's got to give, right? Like so, I mean, yeah. if 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 both of us are have both teams are having these long possessions what ends up being more likely are we are we better in the paint either drawing fouls or or converting at the at the rim or are they better with hitting those late threes whichever team does <laughs> their their version of that better was probably going to be the yeah. one that walks out of the game so yeah yeah and i and i think it's it also you know it's one of those games where things are so i don't want to call it evenly matched but like the the pros and cons weigh out fairly evenly where you know, if the refs let a lot of contact go, then maybe Christian Bishop does really well. Or if they don't let things go, then suddenly Aluma is is having a good night, right? Like it's it's kind of it's just it's it's sort of on a knife's edge, in my opinion. So um, so there's that 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 is the the sort of the, the the brief summary of Virginia Tech, and we'll we'll get into sort of Texas prospects again here shortly. Um, I do want to bring up the other two teams that are in this this first weekend pod. Uh, the first one I'm going to bring up is Yale because it's going to be pretty brief. Um, they're not great. Uh, <laughs> they are, if they somehow manage to beat Purdue, which uh, feels incredibly unlikely, uh, then Texas fans should probably buy a lottery ticket or something because if Texas can make it past Virginia Tech and they see Yale in the next round, then, you know, I, I kiss whoever's nearby, right? Like that's that's way better than the Purdue option. Um, Yale is full of dudes who are, uh, solid at basketball, but not athletic and probably are going to be hedge fund CEOs 10 years from now or five years from now, or maybe already are hedge fund CEOs. Uh, one of them's probably going to be the secretary of defense in 2042. So just, you know, maybe don't make any enemies while you're out on the court. That's, that's kind of, that's all I'm saying, uh, you know, cause he, he might drone your ass in 15 years. Yeah. So that's, that's basically that. Oh, and they can't spell for shit because they, they created, uh, t-shirts that said bull gods, uh, for their conference championship. Um, I know there's not a lot of grading when you get into the Ivy league, uh, but they apparently can't spell for shit. So again, you're going to have a dude from the secretary of defense who is, who's going to have a bold gods t-shirt behind him when he's in the Pentagon. Um, so congratulations, everybody. Purdue is the other team in this pod. They are the three seed. Uh, they are, I, I I'll go out on, uh, the thinnest of limbs and say, they are the clear favorite out of this group to make it out of the weekend. Um, and I, I wish we had, Jeff Haley's Darth Vader voice on here to talk about this stuff because he has watched a lot of these Purdue games and he gave a really cogent, uh, coherent, insightful uh, view of everything. Uh, but again, it's like he was talking through a fan in a in a mechanic shop, so you're not going to hear any of it. But uh, one of the things he brought up is that uh, Purdue has a lot of everything when it comes to offense. Like they are one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, they have a guy like Zach Eady, who is seven, four. He's sort of like Trey Mitchell, but seven, four and 
way better with his feet, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Travian Williams is the other big who they, they, they shuffle these guys in and out, so they never really play together. Travian Williams is an incredible passing big. Uh, and and they, they run an offense that basically runs a bunch of misdirection that gets those guys' shots super close to the basket. Oh, and they also have a lottery pick in Jaden Ivey, uh, who is a, a wing who, who can light up just about anybody in front of him. Tim, Tim do you have anything to, to add about Purdue? Not a whole lot. No, that, that's that's all very well said. They're just... they're Okay, they're moving fun. back to Yale. <laughs> they're fun to watch. I love Ivy. Love Ivy. He's he's a man. He's a joy to watch. Uh, we were talking last night when we when we initially recorded this, and um, he reminds me kind of of, a, of an SGA, if anyone remembers him from Kentucky and now from Oklahoma City from the Thunder. Uh, that kind of level of player in that someone that can like really dictate offensively from anywhere on the court. Um, he's a, he's a stud, he's a stud, but as, as Johnny and, and Jeff previously were saying, uh, the offense runs through the big guys and, and that's tough because you can't really, when you have a playmaker who's seven foot four, there's not a whole lot you can do to stop him as far as like finding passing angles and kind of going where he wants to go. If he's solid with the basketball and, and not only are there big guys, intelligent thoughtful players but they also are skilled enough that they're you know it's not like they're going to kind of fall prey to, to our guards like oh they've never had a guard try to strip the ball from them yeah they have so um from that standpoint they'll, they'll be tough it's uh we don't have we don't have anyone that can match up with ivy's athleticism and we certainly don't have any i mean like shoot ed you have like a foot on bishop <laughs> essentially yeah like that's it's that, that's it's it's pretty glaring when you think about it and they're good you know it's not like like a big stiff that can't do anything. He, they can really play. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go as far as saying Purdue is our kryptonite, but they certainly are. Uh, they are possessing plenty of players um, and, and they shoot really well and they don't foul teams. So like a lot of the stuff that Virginia tech does very well. So too does Purdue, except for Purdue has better athletes and bigger players. Um, so that's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, and, and even if those guys aren't going off, then they've got guys like Sasha Stefanovich who and and Isaiah Thompson who are are out on the sitting basically in the corners if if uh, Travian Williams decides to pass out to them, which he very well might, and they'll probably be open for three because they're probably going to be on the weak side just sitting there waiting for their chance to nail forty percent from three because that's what they do. Um, the 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 downside for Purdue is that their defense is not good. They they don't play very good defense uh, that's probably underselling it um they, they basically it, i don't want to like I, I i hesitate to bring up sort of the old iowa state teams under under hoiberg because it was sort of a iowa state would out try just outscore you and if they're raining threes then you're just fucked because it's it's not exactly the same in that like like tim said they, they play from the bigs and and the three the guys shoot threes because the bigs sort of absorb the gravity of the situation but it's it's similar in that if purdue is clicking offensively you're just going to have to outscore them because they do enough good stuff uh both in the paint and on the perimeter that like you know Texas is not going to limit them to 50 points, right? Like this is going to be a team where Texas is going to have to score like at least 75 to have a shot. Um, Cause they're, they're just, they just, they just have too many, too many good guys. And they also understand their roles and the system is coherent and interesting and quick enough that like y- you can't just go, Oh, well just no middle them. That just, it, it's not going to work against this team. Um, so Purdue is is sort of the the you know they're they're the the I don't want to call them the eight hundred pound gorilla because they don't play any defense so we'll call them the four hundred pound gorilla in this pot. Um, so given that given that we've sort of gone through this this a little bit, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change up the format a little bit from from last night and I I'm going to start with uh, start with Tim on this and say uh, Tim. Do, for your prediction, do you think Texas makes it out of the first weekend? Do you think they make the Sweet 16? No. I am going to predict that they beat Virginia Tech, um, if for no other reason than Chris Beard is undefeated in the first round of the tournament. So um, as as unsurprised as I was when we lost to TCU in Kansas City because of his uh, pretty lackluster record there, 
Um, I'm gonna have to give him. I'm gonna have to give him kudos as far as the NCAA tournament stuff because he's never lost in the first round. So tough for me to kind of expect that this time. Although I do certainly respect Virginia Tech and think that they're a formidable opponent. Um, I'm gonna say that they that we beat Virginia Tech and then uh, don't have enough against Purdue. So that's my prediction right now. Okay, so um, I I have gone back and forth on whether or not Texas is going to beat Virginia Tech about a million times, and I'm probably going to go back and forth on it a thousand more times. And I, I mean, I guess at this point, I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with no. I, I don't think they do. I really do think it's a coin flip. Like I could 100% see both scenarios, right? Like I, I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't think either team's going to blow the other out, especially given the way they limit tempo on both sides. Um, so I, you know, I could absolutely see some sort of 64 59 game where one team gets a little bit of separation because of late free throws or that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say no. Um, Jeff's answer, which, uh, uh, he said that his answer, if Texas makes it out of the first weekend, which actually, okay, I should back up. I don't think Texas makes it out of the first weekend. Like I, I would the only way they make it out of the first weekend is beating Virginia Tech and meeting Yale, in my opinion. Like, I just don't I don't think they match up well with Purdue at all. And, you know, when we talked about sort of the Q1A versus Q1B thing, Purdue's a Q1A team, and Texas just generally doesn't beat those teams. Like, they, they have here and there, but it's, it's fairly rare. So um, don't put down your credit card on Sweet 16 tickets yet. Um Anyway, you know, weirder things have happened, but I, I wouldn't count on it. So um, Jeff's answer as to whether Texas makes it out of the, uh, the first weekend, he said basically that it's unlikely he gave it sort of a one in five chance. That's uh, nerd speak for I don't think it's going to happen, but we never say never. Uh, so he said 20%. His answer for whether or not Texas beats Virginia Tech was he thinks Texas is going to win because it means he'll have to stay up late on a Sunday before work uh, you know, to watch Texas lose to Purdue, which is uh, delightfully pessimistic and nihilistic in its own way. And I, I really enjoy it. And that's also part of the reason why we probably got along well enough to write a couple of ebooks together. Um, <laughs> is that he says things like that from time to time. So uh, I'll take it. Okay, so when we when we look at sort of the larger uh, NCAA tournament, one of the things I asked uh, last night, and 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 Tim, you're going to get first shot at this, so uh, the you get to tell Jeff all of the things he's already going to say. Um, non Texas wise, what what are the first weekend matchups that you're most excited for? Yeah, so. Um... There's a lot of them. There's a number of them that I think are going to be pretty fun. Uh, I think the first one that that both Jeff and I were, were kind of chomping at the bit about was Murray State, San Francisco. Those are two really good teams. Um, I quite enjoy watching West Coast Conference basketball <laughs> games. That's one of my favorite uh, weekend pleasures of like staying up late and and watching the Saturday night games uh, on, from the WCC. So that Murray State can really move. Uh, they're very athletic. Um, they've got a great tradition in history. So um, San Francisco has come a long way in the last decade. Um, they're fun. So that, that's a game I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to uh, seeing what happens with um, South Dakota State versus uh, Providence. Um, I'm not a huge Providence believer. And South Dakota State is crazy skilled. And they, you know, they're going to probably come into the, into the tournament really confident. So that's another one I'm looking forward to. Um, and then the last one that I think is, is going to be really interesting is, uh, Michigan state Davidson. So, uh, Davidson obviously is a team that, um, just plays beautiful offense. A lot of the time they've had a very good season. Um, and Michigan state, I think is another team that, that has kind of turned it on at the right time. So, uh, it's two teams that, that, that should be playing pretty well. So, um, yeah, th- those are the three that I would, that I would point out most, most specifically right now. And uh, on behalf of Jeff, I'm going to say, "You son of a bitch! You took some of my matchups." <laughs> um, he, he doesn't. He doesn't really curse that. That he's he's not the motive. So, um, you, you son of a bitch! You, you <laughs> took my matchups. Um, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff's dad. 
that's right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Jeff's dad told uh, Jeff, and he told us that apparently he stopped listening to the podcast because we curse so much, uh, which is basically just my fault. So sorry, Jeff's dad. I fucked things up. Um, so Jeff's answers in terms of the first weekend matchups he was most excited for. Uh, he said Michigan State Davidson because, uh, like all three of us, Davidson is what a motion offense should be. So that's really nice to watch and very fun and very interesting. He mentioned Murray State and San Francisco. Uh, he also mentioned UCLA Akron mainly because he wanted to talk about why the Akron uh, team was named the Zips. Uh, they apparently used to be named the zippers, uh, but then people started putting zippers on their pants and they thought, maybe we shouldn't be that anymore. So they just changed it to zips because, you know, there were no other nicknames available, I guess. Um, for me personally, uh, and this is me, Johnny, not me, Jeff speaking here, uh, the, the matchups I'm interested in, uh, I, I want to see the Seton Hall TCU matchup because it's two teams Texas has played. And I would like to see like both those games basically short of the TCU game in Fort Worth. All three of those games are pretty close and pretty interesting. And so I just kind of like to see them match up against each other. Um, plus I just kind of like watch a TCU right now. Like they're, they're an interesting and semi-fun team to watch um and i'd like to see i i I would like to see tcu play arizona in the next round that'd be kind of cool just to just to get some some sort of barometer of things um i i yeah like that that's that's one i'm i'm definitely interested uh interested in um another one that i am i am i'm definitely interested in is also the boise state memphis one in part because they're they're sort of contrasting styles and Memphis has been playing really well as of late, but I'd also kind of like to see how they match up against tournament teams because being the American there, there's, you know, there's Houston and it's, it kind of drops off after that. So, uh, I, I would like to see if what Memphis has been doing the last month or two has, is replicable in, in March. Um, because they are, playing way better than they were early in the season. Um, the other one I want to see because, um, I just, I like fun basketball. I like fast basketball. I like teams that run. I want to see North Carolina and Marquette because I think those are two teams that both like to get out and push pace. Uh, they both like to play sort of aggressively and, um, you know, it might end up being incredibly sloppy because they're, they're, Again, they're aggressive teams, and anything that gets uh, college basketball teams out to run, I'm pretty much in favor of. So I I, I want to see that game and see if you know the the winner is the first one to 85 or 90. Um, I, you know, it it doesn't really have to do with Shaka per se. It's more he's over there doing his thing, and UNC is sort of an interesting matchup with their pressure style and. Um, I, I just, I kind of want to see how that goes. And also, you know, being that I'm a Texas fan and I'm used to pain, uh, watching Shaka win a game while Beard may not would be, uh, just an, a new level of pain I haven't experienced in a while. Um, so there's that, you know, I guess I'm sort of a masochist is what I'm saying. Um, congratulations for me for, you know, getting that out in the open. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, the one of the last things we're going to do here um, before we before we wrap this up is um, I asked Jeff and Tim to both fill out a bracket, um, and I wanted them to go through and 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 give me. We're going to start with what their elite eight is because as much as I'm interested in final fours, I want to I want to understand who each of these guys thinks is the team that is just almost there but not quite. Um, so. Um, Tim, I'm going to start with you. We're going to, we're going to do the West Region, and uh, who is your who's your final matchup in the West Region? So, if my Elite Eight matchup in the West is Gonzaga and Texas Tech, um, I went back and forth on the bottom half of that bracket. Uh, I'm not in love with just about any of those teams. I think uh, Alabama has been as inconsistent as they have been awesome uh, and terrible. <laughs> 
Uh, yep. Duke, Duke, I think is is a team that has a ton of talent, but I'm just when I watch them play, just something's missing. I don't know if it's just elite guard play or what, but I just I haven't been super duper impressed with them. Um, so I kind of like settled on Tech, and I do think Tech has the, some you know probably the best two way players in that part of the bracket. Um, but it really doesn't matter because I think Gonzaga's super awesome and <laughs> we'll be on the other side of that. But yeah, I've I've Gonzaga and Tech in the West. Yeah, and I um I I, I also have Gonzaga and Tech. I I am re- I like I, I you know, when you do a bracket, there's there there's a certain level of this that is sort of wish casting, right? Where I I kind of want Davidson to beat Duke cuz I want to see Tech play Davidson just to see those two styles meet up. And I don't know that Davidson is good enough to make it to that point, but I just kind of really want to see it. So I had Tech beating Davidson. But yes, I, I also have Gonzaga and Tech. And I, I feel like this is actually the region where uh, all three of us uh, matched up because uh, Jeff also had Gonzaga and Tech as as his Elite Eight. Um, so then we're going to move over to the South. So uh, to Tim, who, who did you have in the South? So South, uh, I had Illinois coming out of the top part of the bracket and Villanova coming out of the bottom. So um, I, I, th- I may be the last real believer in Illinois, but I, I just um, when you have a, a guy that could be as as dominant as, as Cockburn can, um, <laughs> and, and you then, do love uh, Cockburn, yeah, what what a time to be alive. Um, and I just feel like Villanova has gotten hot at the right time, and there's you know that's a team that has some real pedigree there. Um, so my heart wanted to go with Tennessee, but but uh, I chose Illinois and, and Villanova. And similarly with Arizona, like I, they've been fantastic all year long. I just I don't know. I I, I don't. It's t- tough for me to think that a first year coach is going to be ready to to go all the way with that. Not impossible, but I just that's that that's a bridge a bit too far for me. So yeah. So uh, once again, Tim is out on his own limit. Um, that's actually, that's, this is so far, it's the only one. So, uh, I, I can't beat him up too much, but give me time. Um, both Jeff and I have Arizona and Tennessee as our elite eight here. Um, I, I, I think that Tennessee Villanova match in the sweet 16 could be really interesting in terms of sort of a, a you know, defensive first, uh, coach versus an offensive first coach. Um, I, I think all three of us agree that, uh, Ziegler for Tennessee is, probably going to end up being a dude who doesn't really ever have to buy a drink in Knoxville because he's just he, he's going to be sort of a local legend because he, he you know he's one of those dudes who's going to be there for four years because he's five foot three or whatever and he just he seems like but he just I I would kill to have Ziegler on, on Texas like he just seems like he's he's got balls to spare right like he's got Jacobin ball Brown's balls but he's you know, four foot 11 or whatever he is. And on that pregnant pause where I thought Tim might jump in. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, I also like his balls. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so where is it's a great save. Uh, all right. We're moving on to the Midwest. So Tim, who, who is your elite eight in the Midwest? Uh, so from there I have uh, Kansas playing Auburn. Yes. No. Yes. That's, I mean, that is the correct region. Is that, that who you yeah, had? Yeah. 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 Kansas and Auburn. Yep. So, um, again, I, that, that whole bracket, uh, the Midwest is, is not murderers row <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Uh, and especially the bottom half of that bracket. Like I, I like Kansas. Um, I actually really like Creighton and Iowa both. So there's some teams up on the, up on the top end of that. Uh, bracket that I feel are, are can can give Kansas a run. The bottom half, I have no idea. Like I know that Auburn is super athletic, but I just the next time a Bruce Pearl team comes through in the clutch will be one of the first um, times. And uh, so yeah, I, I guess I'm and with with Wisconsin not having Johnny Davis, or at least potentially not having Johnny Davis, with LSU like firing their coach, Iowa State can't score. Um, you know, maybe USC comes through and and makes good once again on like a surprising Pac-12 team making a deep run like like Oregon yeah. State did last year like Oregon did a couple years prior like you know who knows but um in sort of like a well I guess I have to pick somebody um I'll take Kansas up top and Auburn on the bottom all right so Jeff's answer were uh Kansas and Auburn as well um I I'm going to reveal my 
my elite eight here, but I would like to, before I say this, uh, I, I would like to say for the record that I was bullied out of my previous answer by both Tim and Jeff uh, because I did have San Diego State making it to the Elite Eight and then I uh, got berated by them uh, vociferously and then I, I went back and looked again and I was like, all right, fine, fuck it, they can't make it. Um, really, it was I, because because I don't entirely entrust don't, don't don't entirely trust Kansas. I I think if they have a fully healthy Remy Martin and they play to their abilities, then yes, they're absolutely a Final Four team. I just I don't know. I mean, I guess I I just don't entirely trust them. So I was looking for an out with them. So uh, so yeah, I went from San Diego State and I changed it to Iowa, um, which should make Tim happy because he loves anything Iowa. Um, and so I've got Iowa and Auburn as my elite eight there, but I also don't really trust Auburn because they're not great away from home this year. So like, it's, I, it, it feels like this year is going to be mostly chalk in a lot of regions, but this one, I, I could see it could be pretty wild ass in the Midwest. Like maybe Kansas just runs it and good for them. But again, I, 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 I just got a feeling about them. So I, I, I could I could entirely be wrong about that one. So uh, that leaves us with the East where all of us picked Texas to make it to the final four so we can just move on. Um, sorry, no, uh, Tim, Tim, who do you have coming out of the East or what is your elite eight in the East? Uh, so my lead is UCLA and Purdue. So I'm not I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of picking UCLA reluctantly. Uh, but I, I just can't get over the fact of, of what I've seen from them both last year during their run and then this year during the season. Like when they're healthy, man, they've got a lot of offensive options and Cronin's guys will get after you defensively. That just, that's just kind of his personality with that. So um, I, I do think they're the upside pick for me. Are they going to actually come through with that? I, I'm not, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the answer is no. But uh, but uh, so, yeah, UCLA. And then I I, I think that perhaps surprisingly, I, I do think Purdue has enough uh, offensive game to kind of get through there on the bottom half of the bracket. That's as far as they're going to go for me. But uh, um, I think Purdue's I, I do think they're that good. And a lot of that is because I just I'm so enamored with Ivy. He just man, he can really move and, and can hurt you in a bunch of ways. So Jeff and I have the same answer uh, in this. We both picked UCLA and Kentucky in our Elite Eight. Um, I, I, I generally, you know, sort of the general rule of thumb for me is that once you get beyond about the Sweet 16 or so, um, depending on matchups, I don't pick people who are outside of the top 30 in either adjusted offense or adjusted defense on Ken Palm. That's, that's my general rule of thumb. Um, someone's going to go look up the teams I've just mentioned and tell me someone who I was wrong about as soon as this gets posted. Um, I, you know, I think that there's two teams here in, in, in Baylor, in UCLA, in that their seeding is a little, is a bit not reflective of who they are, but in inverse directions, right? Like Baylor, if they were fully healthy, if they had Chamo Chachwa, if they had, you know, Flagler was fully healthy, like all those guys are fully healthy. They're, uh, they're very much a Final Four cap- capable team, um, but they don't have all those guys. I don't know if they will have. I mean, I know they're not going to have Chamo Chachua, but like, I don't know if the, the rest of those guys are going to be around for these. And if not, then they're very fallible. And we've seen like they went from fifteen and zero to they they had like about a five hundred record for a while. And so I think they're vulnerable enough. And you combine that with the fact that UCLA is sort of, they're a four seed because they've been injured, but when they're healthy, they're like a two seed kind of team. I feel like UCLA makes it, makes it there. Like I, um, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, if UCLA can, can play to the form that they've had of the last month or so or better, given that they're finally healthy. Um, I, I also kind of think it'd be kind of fun just to watch Baylor and Marquette because this is an entirely a shock thing, unlike earlier, is I want to see him play against Baylor with his, you know, balls against the walls sort of team and see that, that could be, uh, you know, it could be a very close game at the end or Baylor could win that by 35. I don't know how it's going to go. It's, it's, it's going to be very high risk. Um, 
So, okay. So, Tim, um, tell us who your final four is and then who you have winning in the final game. Yeah, so I have uh, Gonzaga playing UCLA uh, with Gonzaga going through, and then I have Villanova playing Kansas with Villanova going through, uh, and I am going to pick Gonzaga to win the whole thing. So, Yeah, they're, I mean, it, it, in, a, in a vacuum, Gonzaga has been the best team in the country pretty much all year. You know, they, even when they lost a couple early games, they were still pretty clearly awesome, and... You know, that was when Chet Holmgren had not gone through puberty, and now he has. So congratulations to him. Um, so Jeff's answer was he had uh, Gonzaga uh, over Kentucky, and he had Tennessee over Auburn, and then he had Gonzaga beating Tennessee in the title game, which I feel extremely conflicted about mentioning because that means he has picked Gonzaga over Rick Barnes' team, and I think all three of us would really like to see Rick win a title. So, um, but also we'd also like to see Mark few win a title, but we'd really like to see Rick win a title. So it's just, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of ambivalence if that's, that's what happens. Uh, so, uh, fuck you, Jeff, for making us think of these things. Um, I had really Jeff's dad. Is who it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mostly Jeff's dad. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Jeff's dad. Yeah. That's right. On the, on the off chance, he's like, okay, well it's March Madness around the corner. I'm going to give this podcast one more shot. And, uh, we're giving him the double birds or quadruple birds at this point. There's two of us. Um, that's, that's going to work out well. Um, so I had, uh, Gonzaga over Kentucky. I had Auburn over Arizona, although that is, is I'm, I, I really staring at that thing. Um, I feel like Arizona is the better team. I just, the, the Gonzaga versus Arizona thing might be a narrative I can't handle. Um, so I have Gonzaga versus Auburn. I have Gonzaga winning the title. Um, so that is what all three of us having Gonzaga winning the title, which is, a uh, is, is not, um, not out there. It's not a, uh, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, it, it's not a risky pick at all. But it also just sort of, I mean, they're going to do it eventually. Like, it just, they're going to do it eventually. Mark Few is too good of a coach. They've been too good for too long. Like, at some point, it's going to happen. This is not, like, either that or Mark Few becomes the Buffalo Bills of college basketball, I guess, is the the alternative here. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's what we've got uh, for, for this, uh, for, for our picks. So, uh, everybody bet against Gonzaga because all three of us picked him. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. That's our, uh, that's our March Madness preview for this week. Um, we will back, we will be back, uh, next week, either with a discussion of where Texas, uh, goes in the sweet 16 or what the fuck happened. Um, probably the latter, but we'll see. Uh, you know, hopefully we're wrong and they, they overperform and suddenly we're playing with house money and everybody gets to enjoy it. Um, I have been your uh, temporary host, Johnny Brashear. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bitter White Guy. You can find me on Substack, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com. Uh, I have a Patreon, although you probably shouldn't donate to it because at this point I'm about to stop writing for a while because the basketball season is about to be over. But again, if Jeff Bezos is out there and just wants to, you know, change a life, I'm here. So, uh, you know, just, just let me know, man. I'll, I'll, I'll up that credit limit however you need, buddy. Tim, where can we find you? Yeah, on Twitter at InsideTexasHoop, no S, and then at InsideTexas.com. Great community, great people come hang out with us. And you can find Jeff Haley uh, somewhere with a stuttering internet. Um, he's out there somewhere. He's, uh, he's out there making chemicals and just being super fucking smart and Congratulations to him. Maybe buy something better than a Chromebook. Um, also, he's he does hoop math, which is uh, it's hoop-math.com or is it hoop math? Hoop-math.com. Yes, um, he does that, and it is a great site uh, for analytics. It is sort of the you know it's the Ken Palm for people who know what's up. Is is what it is. Um, it has great waterfall charts. It has good on-off stuff. Like he's, it's it's really well done. And I, you know, I, I do sincerely think it's one of these sort of underappreciated jewels of of basketball analytics when it comes when it comes to college basketball. So uh, check that out. He's on Twitter at Jeff C Haley. 
Um, and you can find him there as well, where he's probably going to quietly berate us for all of the things I've said. So um, you can find Will. He's when he's not pumping out babies. He's uh, on Twitter uh, at Will Bazer, W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Uh, you can also find these these podcasts on the Hornscast channel, which he runs. Uh, he has a Patreon with uh, two members who I promise I will maybe learn their names next time around, but we really, really appreciate our Patreon subscribers. Uh, thank you for everything you do. Clearly, I've, I've paid a lot of attention. Um, so thanks. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for hanging out, Tim. Hook'em horns.